Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, everybody. I'm Shimon Shkuri, president of Ariel Property Advisors. And together with me today are my partners, Victor Sozio and Michael Tortorici. Hey, Vic and Mike. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing well, Shimon. Thanks for having me on today. Yes, good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. So we see each other, or actually speak with each other, not see as much, pretty much almost every day, and sometimes a few times a day. New York City market in the first half of the year, and specifically in the second quarter of 2020, has been very, very slow. We've seen only $2.13 billion of transactions. That's a 70% drop compared to the quarter before, an even higher drop if you compare it to the year before. What's happening? Clearly COVID-19, but what's happening? What's causing this slowdown in the numbers? What are we seeing out there? Mike? I mean, heading into the new year, things, on, at least on the multifamily side, were pretty slow already because there was a lot of talk about what was going to happen with pending regulation. But we're really looking at, for the first half of the year, some of the lowest sales volume that we've seen since the depths of the recession back in 2009. And most of the deals that we do highlight in our first half report were put in contract before the virus really hit hard. And the closings that took place in the second quarter are, in some cases, three, four, five months old, if not longer. So, you know, I think it's important that when you look at the data to understand that these are really lagging indicators more so than usual. Um, and that with such a low sample size, the data can reveal some trends, but also can be pretty bouncy because uh, just a couple of transactions can really swing things rather dramatically. But definitely seen some depreciation on the multifamily side. In most parts of the city, we've seen development sites sell for lower values than what they would have gotten. And it looks like we're starting to you know, get see some more action for the balance of the year. I think what you're saying is really small sample size. And Vic, you, Mike, and I are entrenched in many transactions. What do you see out there in terms of the transactions you're involved with? Or when you read the reports, you had some good observations about the few transactions that you've seen take place there. What do you think? I think, it, like Mike mentioned, a lot of the transactions that make up the numbers and the figures that we're referencing in the report are lagging indicators because many of them were in contract towards the end of 2019 and, and prior to COVID. And if you dive into those transactions specifically, most of them were either new construction assets. There was several in Brooklyn that traded in the beginning of the year, um, putting contracts in some cases at the end of 2019. And then there were several larger affordable housing transactions that also closed. And most of those instances, if not all, those were also being negotiated for a while, and they were conditioned on certain factors like long-term tax abatements or different moving parts. So it has been a very limited sample size and, and really not much to take from in terms of what the new normal will be. But as Mike mentioned, I think the last month and a half, we've seen a pretty nice uptick in activity, nowhere near the levels that we've seen a few years ago, but just enough to indicate that 
there is an active buyer pool that's starting to become more comfortable with pricing metrics. You know, in many cases, these buyers are looking to get better cash on cash returns, upgrade the quality of their assets, whatever that motivation might be. They're looking at this time frame as an opportunity. And for the most part, I, I think that's what you're going to see for the near-term future in the next eight, 12 months, whatever it might be until there's some sort of semblance of comfort, whether it's the vaccine as the milestone or whatever it is, I think you will see what amounts to price discovery for many different groups and figuring out what they're comfortable with. Where should they underwrite retail rents? What are the market rents on residential units in different areas going to be? I think there will be a lot of discovery and searching and modeling and making sure that groups are comfortable with the numbers and stability that these assets may or may not have going forward. Yeah, I think you bring up some very good points, Vic. And I think that there's a tremendous amount of capital out there that is interested in transacting and going through the discovery of pricing and fundamentals throughout the city. And you mentioned, and I want to agree with you, that we're on the forefront, so we're seeing a lot of things that are happening. And June and July have been great months for us as a company in terms of new inventory that's coming in in the form of a listing, which tells us, if you look at the numbers that we're asking now, that the motivated sellers are out there. There is capital out there that's willing to transact. And the gap between buyers and sellers in the near future for those who are interested in selling and for those who are interested in buying will probably narrow and you'll see more transactions, probably not Q3, but possibly Q4. Mike and, and Zick, would you like to talk a little bit about land transactions or specifically project-based Section 8? Would you be able to comment on that? Yeah, just before I do, I just want to echo one of the points you just made and that not only are we seeing more on the sales side, but the amount of valuations that we've been doing all around the city really, really picked up in June and July. People kind of hit pause, I'd say, in, in April and maybe the beginning of May as the city was really shut down. But the number of valuations, I think, is pointing to a very active second half of the year and what could be a very active 2021, regardless of where the revenues are coming in on the, the rental and the, the retail side. Pressure seems to be building on a few fronts and, and should be pushing more people out to market that have been on the fence for the past couple of years. On the land side of things, very low transaction volume, some of the lowest transaction volume we've seen in, in quite a while. Values have been down in, in upper Manhattan. They've been holding pretty steady in the Bronx, which is very focused on affordable housing. And Brooklyn also, things have held pretty steady. Brooklyn, a very big market with some pockets of affordable, some pockets of high-performing residential, and things held pretty steady there. In Manhattan, it's been uh, low volume. And, and you know I've seen a few trades recently that show a marked decline from where things were. But again, this is a, a market that was pretty high for a while. And I think in the last few years, it's seen some of the most downward pressure compared to other parts of the city. It's interesting you mentioned land and project-based Section 8 housing because it's two product types that are kind of going in different directions as it relates to values. Like Mike said, there's a lot of downward pressure on land values as it relates to rental execution. Condo execution is much more difficult today. And when it comes to project-based Section 8 or some affordable housing product types, that's 
emerging as a premier multifamily asset class because of its stability, its low vacancy, its downside protection, it's federally subsidized on the rents. In many cases, they have long-term tax abatements. So it's really, when you look at New York's market, it's one of the asset classes that you know continues to remain safe and stable, while others are just big question marks going forward. So it's interesting to contrast the two, but that's what we're seeing is that there is a little bit of a premium being placed on stability and being able to really forecast cash flows for the near-term future, where in land or in assets that are free market, you know, it's a little tougher to predict and you have to kind of give yourself a little bit of the sensitivity or, or flexibility in your numbers. Yeah, so maybe land becomes an opportunity in the midterm future as land values come down to levels where you can actually build residential rental in good locations. And I know that when we talk about short term, we talk about vacancies in free market units. We talk about vacancies in office and retail. We talk about some collection issues with rent stabilized units. These things probably will help us in the midterm as price discovery is more out there and you've seen more transactions. But long term, I think that, like you said before, I believe it was Vic that said it, that once we have certainty of this pandemic moving away from the world in the form of vaccine or a different form, we will see long term that New York City is coming back and coming back in a big way. So I do want to thank you. Any one or two last words for you before we wrap up? I would just say that, you know, the city went through 9-11 and there was a brief exodus and then everyone came rushing back. We went through the collapse of Wall Street back in, in 2009 and, uh, and things came to a halt here in terms of building. But the one constant between both of those was that it's New York City. It reinvents itself. It comes back and we need to keep on building to, to keep things going and keep things affordable around here. So hopefully, and I'm, I'm pretty confident based on the activity that we're seeing on things that we're seeing right now, uh, investors will continue to come here and take advantage of low interest rates and, and keep making our city great. I'll end by saying that, you know, I, I don't want to get emotional about it, but it's easy to get down a little bit on the New York City market in general today because of the multiple layers of strife that are ongoing, you know, and many different aspects of our society right now. But I do agree with you, Shimon, in that if you're long for New York, this city provides a uniqueness that just cannot be replicated anywhere else. So I think if you keep that in perspective, this is a great opportunity for capital to responsibly underwrite the different assets that they're looking at and view this as an opportunity to enter or expand the footprint in the New York City market that's going to be uh, beneficial in the long run. Thank you, Vic. Thank you, Mike. And this is us, Ariel Property Advisors, Coffee and Capric. Thank you for listening.